Exec MBA podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Sherry Watson. Sherry is the Assistant Dean for Student Engagement for the Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business. And she and I recently connected via Zoom to talk more about her background, what she enjoys about helping and supporting students, what led her to Darden, what she's enjoyed about getting to know our part-time MBA and executive MBA students, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sherry Watson. Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here. What an exciting day. Sands Family Grounds. We've got part-time students coming in this evening. Yes, yes, they're coming in around five, but I suspect some will be here before then for actually have a couple of meetings before their class. So exciting day. Excellent. One of the things I've really enjoyed about having the part-time students here with us now is that normally we got so used to seeing students on the weekends. And it's now the case with the part-time program with the schedule that those students have that we get to see them in person on, on Monday and Thursday evenings, basically every other week, which is which is fantastic. It's great. It actually really helps build, I think, a different type of community having them here uh, every other week, twice a week. Uh, familiarity with faces is really cool. So even seeing them on the days they're not in class when they come to kind of study or, or meet with their, their uh, learning team, it's pretty cool to see them. Yeah, that's right. It, I, I've been so fascinated as we've gotten started here in quarter one, just to, how are they going to use a facility? How are they going to meet up with each other? Uh, most of them live here in the, in the DC area. So I think they're actually starting to make some connections, you know, not even here in Sam's Family Grounds, but, but out in the community and getting together, um, maybe not when they have social or excuse me, school related activities. So that's, um, that's all, all good stuff. So first of all, how are you, how are you doing? How's everything? It's good. It's busy um, and good. I'm still in my first month and a half, so I'm learning a lot, still meeting a ton of students and getting acclimated, but doing really, really well. Can't complain, really enjoying um, my time at Darden so far. I think you started at the busiest time of year. It basically started right before the official start of school. And so you were in Charlottesville on grounds for the historic opening week. Um, what was that like? It was really, really fun. I was. I started a week or so before opening week, so I had the opportunity to go to Charlottesville, and I was there the entire week. And being able to see grounds, I've been through Charlottesville, but never to UVA, and to see Darden, which is super cool. I love uh, college campuses anyway. <laughs> so as a higher ed person, so it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, facility, beautiful campus. But also being able to see all three cohorts, I, my understanding is that's the first time it's happened, or the first time it's happened in a, in a very long time that all three formats are there at the same time. So it was really, really cool to see hundreds of hundreds of students um, welcomed by the dean and several other staff and faculty members and just kind of see the flow of the week of tons of students in and out rooms, connecting with them during lunch. It just was so cool. It really set the stage, I think, for the community that is Darden. It was a historic opening week, really for the reason that all of the students started on the exact same day. And of course, we welcomed our inaugural part-time MBA cohort. Kind of amazing when you think about it. I mean, we had about 600 or so students in Charlottesville, all starting 
their journey together. And of course, they're all advancing towards the same credential. Everybody's going to earn a Darden MBA, whether you're a full-time MBA student, um, residential experience down in Charlottesville, you're a part-time MBA student learning pretty much here uh, in, in Roslyn, although there are a couple touch points uh, down in Charlottesville and more of, as we've discussed, kind of an evening-based schedule, or you're one of our executive MBA students uh, here in Roslyn, also with some time in Charlottesville, um, on more of kind of a evening and weekend weekend schedule. Um, it's kind of, it's great to have everybody come together because it is all all one network. So um, well, let's talk a little bit more about you and, and your background. So tell us more about who you are. Yeah, well, I have been in higher ed for uh, a little over 12 years, over 13 years. And I started out in the, I've, I've primarily been in student support capacity, student uh, support, student success, student engagement roles from advising to career services, overseeing coaching programs to help students be successful. So um, really, I think I found my niche in education and helping students be successful. I am a first-generation college student myself, so I really think that's where my passion for student success comes from and student support. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? Like I had a very supportive family. I had a family that I grew up in a multi-generational household, so lots of dynamics of you know grandparents who did not have the opportunity to go to college or further their education, really kind of stopped middle school, high school, so it was always ingrained in us for um, the, the possibilities and the doors that college can open, which is phenomenal. It's life-changing. Um, I say one of the critiques though of higher ed is, is um, those of us who don't know, right? Like the lingo or some of that social capital or what that means to get an advanced degree, especially getting a master's and a doctorate, people assume you you know, and you're, you're still learning and trying to, trying to figure all that out as you continue to go along. And so I think that's a lot of where my passion for student support and student success comes from. Um, and I'm just so fortunate to be able to be at Darden and working with graduate students again. I worked with graduate students earlier in my career um, and then transitioned to undergrad, but I also was a working professional during my PhD program. And so I really relate to that experience quite a bit. Well, where's home for you? Where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia, 757. <laughs> a very large area code. Uh, it encompasses, what, seven cities, right? Seven cities. Yeah, that's the other nickname for it. Seven cities, very uh, heavy uh, military populations, so very, very common to hear Navy or, you know, the largest naval bases in Norfolk um, or Army. That's also very common. My uh, mother was Army and retired Army after 20 years and so um, have some very uh, unique experiences with military and in that experience. And I also think it's re relevant to Darden and our 34% um, military affiliated population we have here. Um, again, very relatable and very comfortable. It feels like home in a lot of ways, right? Working with those who are veterans or affiliated or active duty in some capacity. Well, you mentioned um, being a first generation college student. Talk to us a little bit about, about that journey to, to college. What was that, what was that like? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Like I look back and and I and I told someone the other day, I never I never thought I wasn't gonna go to college. Like that never crossed my mind. College was always the natural next step. I did well in school. I mean, one of the things I probably like the joke in my family is Sherry loves school because <laughs> I kept going back. Um 
And so I, I did well in school, but school is always a priority for us, again, because of my grandparents and not having the same opportunities uh, that we had. So going to college was very exciting. And I think looking back on college, there were definitely some things that I wish I knew and you just kind of don't know when you're a first generation college student, right? Like, and I think education has made strides in a lot of ways to strategically support students throughout that process from undergrad to graduate school. Um, Darn being a great example of some strategic support for students. But, you know, when, when I was an undergrad, it really was a kind of, you make it or you don't, like you're figuring it out on your own. And so um, my mom was in the military and we really could have used her GI bill, but like, we just didn't know we didn't know. And I give that example a lot because I just didn't have the strategic support. And although I did really well in college, I was like the college valedictorian for my specific, like the college of education, um, academically was great, but I, and I made a lot of, I mean, lifelong friends, like college is, you know, was that place that really transformed me, I think, as a person. And it opened my eyes to different people, different walks of life ever. And ODU is a very diverse, I went to ODU for undergrad, it's a very diverse institution. Um, so it, it did all of those wonderful things for me personally. I think it would have been great to have some other strategic support in terms of financial literacy, in terms of um, next steps, right? Uh, career and academic planning, what does that look like? And I think education has really made great strides in that area because they saw <laughs> that some first-generation college students needed that, that holistic support. Um, but yeah, being first-generation was super, super cool. And then it was scary all at the same time. Like it was both. Which I can understand. I mean, we talk here on the podcast about, you think about MBA programs, there's so much coded language. People talk about you know, industries and jobs and employers and all these kinds of things in, in a way that likely makes prospective students feel like, should, should I know what that is? Or should I know why you do that? Or what, what that entails? And it's something that, I think is a value of the podcast that we can have conversations like this, but it's good that that's on your mind as you come and work with our working professional students here, because a lot of them are you know, navigating some of those same waters that are in this MBA world. And, oh and yeah. And they're, they're amazing students, right? They're amazing professionals. They're balancing tons of things, but that doesn't automatically know they know some of the lingo. I think education we use a ton of lingo, right? Like your master promissory note. Like, what is a master? Like, what does that even mean? Like, break that language down for someone who's, you know, perhaps getting loans to fund their education. And what's that process like to certify them and sign the master promissory note or be enrolled? Like, what's a quarter system, right? How do we explain that to students that didn't have that traditional experience as a case method um, teaching? So some of these things I think are really important to help navigate and break down the, that, that language, that lingo for our incoming MBA students. And I found a lot of, um, I find that a lot of people feel the same way and that let's try to support them and do as much as we can so that they can be successful in the classroom. I have to ask this question because I think I know it from our outside conversations. I think you were also a basketball player. Is that right? I was, yes, you do know that. So I was, I, um, funny enough, played th through all out high school and then I went to training camp um, in college and I was like, I don't want to do this. I, I don't, I'm not, your life is your sport in college, right? Like it, most people can tell you that. And I just didn't, I didn't want that experience for my college experience. Um, and of course my family's like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? You don't, I'm sorry, what come again? Um, and it is a very different world being an athlete in college. I have my oldest nephew right now is playing football and he, his training camp, like 
10 hours a day with football, um, lifting. They have practices sometimes at 6 a.m. And so that's the world that they live in. And I knew I didn't want that to be my reality. Um, and so I stopped. I stopped. I went, I went against the grain and stopped. And I think my family's over it now. <laughs> a few years out of college. So I think they're okay. <laughs> I'm guessing for your family, they, they always knew that is something that you did and something you spent a lot of time working on and working towards. Yeah. And it was a great, um, it was fun. It was, I met some lifelong friends. I'm still friends with people that I played basketball with in high school and they're all doing um, wonderful things, but I knew college. I wanted my experience to be a little bit different and not controlled by basketball. Um, and so I made the decision not to continue. And instead I think I had a great time. I joined clubs and organizations, was able to really figure out what I wanted to do and go to graduate school and some other things, but it's, it was, it was a good time. I cannot, Play full court anymore though so don't challenge me there Brett. but but outside of that can play a mean game of horse we'll have to take that up at another another time sherry but you mentioned that in your family you're known as well sherry loves school and did undergrad and then masters and a phd and and you worked while pursuing some of these degrees how did you decide that you know higher ed was was your path like that this is a question that we oftentimes will get from applicants. They, they will ask us, how did we end up in this particular industry? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I did not start out in higher ed. I, my master's degree is in um, clinical counseling. So I did clinical work for a few years. One of my internships was actually on campus, on a college campus, a small private liberal arts campus. And I did clinical counseling and some career counseling. And I found that I really related to college students. Like I loved the being able to use all my clinical skills in a way that wasn't so stressful or high burnout. Um, and I think when you're in a, a clinical capacity, I, I'd probably say a lot of counselors or mental health professionals, psychiatrists, you know, whatever area they're in there, there is a great um, uh, risk for burnout because of the, the nature of the work. And I, was fortunate enough that I got to work with younger kids, which was great, but also really hard at the same time because just just wanted to take take them all home, right? And it was much harder to separate work and, and home during that time. And so I was really thinking about like, what else can I do to use the skills that I've learned in a industry that I would really enjoy? And so I thought back on my internship experience at the college and I was like, I really enjoyed it. It was probably like one of my best internships um, or practicums, we had several during my master's program. And that was probably one of the best. I absolutely loved that experience. And I was like, what about higher ed? So I really started informational interviews with people who were in higher ed. Um, what credentials did they have? What did they do? Did they enjoy it? So I just started there to learn a bit more um, and really got some good insights and tips from individuals. Kind of redid my resume from there um, and got my first job officially back in higher ed in um, academic advising in that space, working with um, master's level students. Uh, they were getting, they were joint students getting law degrees and um, master's in government degrees. So I worked kind of with both populations and that's really how I got back into the higher ed space. What initially attracted you to counseling? Because the nature of the work that you're doing now, you still get to stay in touch with counseling and advising and all this kind of stuff. I mean, is that just who you are by nature? So I, I knew, I like the... You, you probably hear students like, I want to help people, right? Like I want to help people. And and because I was good at school, like Sherry likes school again, and my family will tell you, like it is a joke. Like it is the joke of, um, like we all have our personalities, but um, 
so I knew I wanted to help people. And my major originally in undergrad, which most people change their major, average of three times, so it's completely okay, um, was uh, biology. Because you think helping people, you think naturally physician, doctor, that type of capacity. And although I did well in biology, I did have surgery my freshman year of college um, and had stitches, just a minor surgery, had stitches on my hand, got my stitches taken out and I passed out. And so at that point, my, my mom was like, you might want to rethink what you want to do because if blood makes you queasy, maybe it's not medicine, right? Um, and, and, and I did it because people said you should. People were like, oh, you can help people that way. You're smart. You, you're all these things. Um, but, but really thinking about the work that physicians do, which is great work. I, I just knew I'm like, I can't do this. I, I still don't like blood. I don't like any of that type of stuff. And so um, I really had to rethink about what helping people meant and what other ways you can tangibly help people. Um, and I would argue lots of industries, lots of careers help people just in different ways. And so I was like, oh, what about, you know, human services or, or mental health? Again, I went kind of through different majors and met with different advisors at my institution at that time, um, thinking about, I majored in this, what does a career path look like? Um, and so I landed on human services, which is an undergrad equivalent. And then I went right to graduate school for clinical counseling to learn a bit more um, and really enjoyed it. It has helped me understand people tremendously and understand students and their experience tremendously. It plays into who we are. I think you can't separate individuals from, you know, their their culture, who they are. Like even when I meet with students today, so much of who we are is from our families and understanding those family systems helps me support students a bit better um, throughout their process. I really appreciate your, your point there because from an admissions perspective, I, I think we oftentimes will talk with prospective students who really want to start their story. At, well, I went to college and then I, I did this for my job and I'm now here looking at an MBA. But there's this whole stretch of time that obviously influences who they are and informs how they think about the world and how they relate to other people that we absolutely want to know about. All those things matter a great deal uh, in educational programming, specifically here, here at Darden. And so we always tell people, please do not discount that, that personal part of your story. It's equally important. Oh, yeah. I, I met with a student the other day who, um, you know, amazing student from Pakistan. And so his story is, it's great. It's a wonderful story, but part of it is he um, cares for his family here. That's the role. That's culturally what they do. That, that, that's who they are. He's an oldest son, right? So, so you do that. Um, and I was like, that is fascinating. And you're juggling so much, right? So how does, how does that look? What does that, what does that mean to you? He's like, Oh, never thought about it that way. I just thought it's what I do. Right. But but that's great. That's great that now he knows some resources from us, some things that can help support him because everybody's dealing with something a little bit different, but it, it's great to know that about him so I can support him appropriately throughout his journey because it's not a one size fits all. So Sherry, you've come here to Darden, you're in your first month and a half. I wonder what, what attracted you to this particular opportunity? Yes. So I would say a couple of things. Um, personally it aligned with where I want it to be uh, location-wise. My partner, again, active duty. So, <laughs> so we are um, in this area until he retires. And so looking for opportunities in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area in a certain radius was really important. Um, but secondly, I wanted a next step that allowed me to continue to 
do the work that I love, which is helping support students. I also really felt connected to working professionals because I was a working professional student um, during my PhD program. And that that was hard. It was so, so hard. Like people say it's hard and then you go through it and you're like, oh gosh, you don't, you don't realize sometimes how hard it is. You're like so in the weeds of trying to balance your family and your job and um, school and the, you know, civic duties or other commitments. And so the experience of a working professional student is really remarkable. And I don't know that they get enough credit and, and they're so used to doing it. I mean, we have students that drive an hour twice a week, an hour each way to come to class that are also working full-time, right? And their parents and then all these other things. And so um, I was really drawn to the working professional space, but not only that, but, but Darden had a very um, student focused, student driven philosophy and approach. And that's really, I think what attracted me to Darden aside from the, you know, wonderful name and business school uh, notoriety. I, I really was impressed by the student support framework and the student focused model is something that I just, I believe in it. And um, I, I like to align myself with, with uh, those values. You mentioned your PhD. What was your dissertation on? My dissertation was on, I'm so glad you asked for it. Anybody that gets a PhD, they're so happy to tell you about their, their PhD. You can't ask them when they're getting it because you'll probably get a look. But afterwards, I'm like, oh, I'm free from the shackles of a PhD, I'll tell you. Um, I got it in, so it's a um, doctor of philosophy in education, but specifically occupational and technical studies, which is a workforce development PhD program. There are not many in the country. Um, and I, I was really interested in management and leadership. Just, just personally, it's something I'm fascinated with. And so I wanted a degree where I could study management and leadership. And they had a training track, like a business industry training um, track for that program. And so I did that track when I was doing informational interviews, considering a PhD program. And I met with tons of, you know, different individuals who were in positions that I would like to aspire to be in. You know, they all, I'd say 90% of them had terminal degrees. And one of the points of feedback was, get a degree in something that you are interested in. Like if you're gonna to have to be in school for four years or five years, do something you're interested in. It doesn't have to be higher ed or it doesn't have to be some affairs. Um, and so I, I studied um, mid-manager training and development specifically in higher education and what constitutes good management and leadership. Must be interesting to now be at a business school. It's fascinating. It aligns so much being at a business school. Um, especially uh, because some of the philosophies and practices coming from a, uh, my previous role was not a business school and um, I'm being in business school now. It's, it's really, it's fascinating. Uh, but I always say one of the best managers I ever, ever had, I, we still stay in contact today. She thinks she was a great manager because she had the interpersonal skills, but she also had an MBA. And so she thought strategically, she understood how to solve problems in a way that made sense. And, and I, I truly think that separated her um, was her, her MBA. Well, you mentioned your personal passion for working professional students, that they don't get enough credit for what they're doing. Um, what do you really enjoy uh, about, about this population when you think about supporting them? What, what brings you the most joy? I would say what brings me the most joy is learning about all aspects of them. So one of the things, like when I meet with students, um, especially in initial meetings, I'd love to know, like, what do you do? Like, tell me what you do, because they're in a variety of different industries doing amazing things from like consulting to tech to healthcare. Um, so I'm like, what do you do? And then I'd love to hear about 
their personal lives, right? Like what got them back here? What, why are they doing Like, who are they doing it for? Because as I mentioned before, all of these makeup, all of these facets make up who the student is and ultimately probably how they got here. Um, and so I love to hear, like, tell me about your family. Tell me about, you know, your partner, your spouse, your kids. Like in the last week, oh, I'd probably say two weeks, we've had students that have had babies. Um, and they said, and I'm like, one requirement is send me a picture of a newborn. <laughs> so like just getting to know them because they're so dynamic in a lot of different ways. There's just not one side to a working professional student. Oftentimes there's several different sides. And so I love learning all about those different sides and what makes them who they are. It's early days for you here. You mentioned uh, about a month and a half in when we're recording this conversation. Um, what have you enjoyed about being part of this professional degree program, Steve? So I have enjoyed, in addition to getting to know the students and all the things that make up the students, I've really enjoyed my colleagues. Like when I say what I, I was attracted to the student support model, was every meeting I've been in or every space that I've been in with my colleagues, everything is thought about from a student support perspective, right? Like how will this impact the student experience? Or what does this mean for our students from a financial standpoint or an access or equitable equitability standpoint or um, just, just them understanding <laughs> what it means to like everything is from the point of like, how does this impact the students and what can we do um, as the faculty and staff to help support the students? And that's one thing that I really, really appreciate it could be in a meeting about like hospitality or a meeting about like vision and goals or, or anything that really comes down to how are we supporting the students and I really appreciate that and the varied experiences I really have enjoyed getting to know my colleagues because they all come from from different areas they all have different passions and so that's be that's super cool to me to be able to learn and hear from them a lot have been at Darden for a while so I'm learning so much institutional knowledge that you just can't get from a training manual um, so I've really appreciated that as well. And as I mentioned, you, you joined the team at really kind of an amazing time because our working professional population is growing here. When we talk about the professional degree programs, there's, there's two M MBA programs. There's the part-time MBA and the executive MBA, which of course has, has two formats, the executive MBA and global executive MBA formats. But there's also the MS in business analytics. Uh, program that happens here in Roslyn. But with the introduction of part-time MBA, there's just a lot that's happening here. Um, I wonder your impressions of the executive MBA and, and part-time MBA uh, communities um, over this past month plus. Yeah, so I think the the concept of community has been probably the thing I've been most impressed with because it's student-led and driven. Like, and I think, I think back to my PhD experience, right? Like we had community, but mm, it wasn't nearly as robust as I think the communities here in the executive format. And now the part-time, they're developing their own community. It's a new, newer format, obviously, but they've, they've started their own. We just are launching our part-time student advisory council, but we had more than we thought interested in it. And they're ready to plan events. They're ready to to get together. Students are um, initiating their own Zoom meetups on their own, but but I think it's also a testament to Darden and how we really promote community from, from opening week, right? Probably even before that, during their admissions process and their, their onboarding to get them to yield, I think the sense of community is really important and students take that and really take it to the next level. And they 
you know, I'll hear from a student like, oh, my learning team knows about this, this, and this. We met here, here, here. And I'm like, wow, that's more than I was going to suggest. I mean, they're just so proactive and they're a great sense of support for each other um, through good times, right? Like I look, I think about homeroom and all the announcements that go around of new jobs and engagements and all the, sometimes the students are sharing other classmates' good news because they might be too shy to share it because that's just how close they are. Um, but also to be able to support them in times that are not so good, right? The high highs and the low lows of, an, an ill parent or someone in the hospital, like the learning team in the, in the community that steps up and steps in for them has been truly remarkable. And I think that's a testament to the foundation that um, the program sets for the students. Yeah, it's an incredible thing to see students come in and have this blank-ish canvas, right? And kind of make it their own thing. I mean, you look at the executive MBA program at this point, we have almost double digit student organizations. We have a growing number of even like emerging student clubs and where there's maybe little pockets of interest and not quite yet at that formal stage. We have a diversity, equity, inclusion committee. We've talked uh, with LaShondra Irvin here on the podcast about the really incredible work uh, that committee is doing. We also have the executive student association, which is the overall governing group. And by the way, now we have the part-time students who are here and they're doing, and they're also sort of writing their own story here, but they can also tap into all of those executive MBA uh, resources too, which is, it's, I mean, it, it's an incredible thing to see. Yeah, it's super cool. It is just, so, they are, they are, um, and they're, they're really going to have lifelong, like this doesn't end after their MBA um, at Darden. They're going to be friends for life. I mean, Darden just really sets the stage for it. Well, what are you looking forward to in the coming months? You mentioned you got this uh, part-time student advisory uh, committee coming along, executive MBA. There's always something going on, whether it's Friday Night Live or a social event. So what are you, what are you looking forward to? So I'm really looking forward to, um, in addition to seeing how the part-time student advisory council and like programming gets off the ground with that group and what they're interested in and doing and spearheading for, for their specific cohort. That's super exciting as we support them with that. But I'm also really excited to partner um, on a number of DEI initiatives that um, I think are just really crucial. So partnering with Chrissy Julian and um, LaShondra from the DEI committee um, on some projects that we have upcoming to highlight our different affinity groups is so important because Darden is made up of so many different individuals across race and ethnic backgrounds, but also experience, right? Like we talked about military and veterans and international students. And so thinking of some affinity groups and how we can acknowledge them. So I'm really also looking forward to some DEI work um, and also some um, ongoing student support programming and, and wellness programming that we have coming up with some individuals on our team to kind of holistically support students throughout their, their process. We know mental health and wellness is a huge component of post-secondary education, higher education. And so how do we continue to infuse that and support that through, uh, for our working professional students. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, when you talk about mental health and wellness, it feels like in this particular moment with the pandemic and everything going on in the world, um, that has become even more pressing, uh, more important for organizations to think about. Oh, I, I think absolutely. And, and, you know, it all impacts students, right? When we think about student support and student success and engagement, we can't separate things that are happening in the world and how they impact our students and who they are when they step into the classroom. And so how do we provide just kind of a, a robust system 
to help them navigate through through all these different things. And of course, life, right? On top of the pandemic and the world and all these things, like life still happens. People are still having kids. People are still, you know, a student, her uh, uh, husband was in the hospital the other night from a medical event that was completely unexpected. So like all of these things are still going to happen. And so how can we be there to support them? We can't stop them from happening, but how can we be there to support them um, as they're navigating their way through it? That's one of the things that's most interesting to me when we talk with prospective students. It oftentimes starts to sound like the student is trying to line up everything in their life just so. So when they finally do this program, things will be calmer. And I think homeroom's a good testament to this. I think just our experience with these populations of students um, is another good testament. Like life will still happen. Things will still come up. It becomes then about your support networks, the other people who can help you out. And I think one of the things that's really important for students to know is there's a great team of people who support these students here. Absolutely. All the entire team um, is here to support. And they're amazing. I mean, people talk about Brett Tweet all the time and the uh, amazing support that you provide. Like that's not lost on um, our students and, and the care that they get from their first point of contact through matriculation. I think that's a testament to just how caring um, our staff is. Well, I'll just say that our goal as an admissions team is to try to reflect out the culture of the program. We know that Community is one of these words that is kind of a buzzword in MBA circles. Like you're, you're not going to come across a program that is not talking about its community, right? Every school is going to talk about it and champion it. But the expression of that thing looks different from school to school. And, you know, Darden, the thing that we always stress with students is the learning experience has implications for the other people in the room, right? So you've chosen to be an active participant in your learning experience. And that tends to attract people who are not only interested in being an active participant in their learning experience, but they also want to be engaged outside the classroom. So the feel of the community, all these things that you noted, it's personal. Students are really shaping their experience. They're leading initiatives. They're, you know, making of this experience just incredible things. Every class leaves a leaves its own mark. And you can see cumulatively where that's gotten us out of the program. It's it's an incredible thing. Um, but this is one of the things that we try from an admissions standpoint. We want you to know what it would be like as a Darden student as you engage with the admissions team. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you guys do a remarkable job. Well, you were once a, a working professional student navigating a PhD program. Time is one of those things that feels at a premium when you do these kinds of programs. I think it's certainly the case for our part-time MBA and executive MBA students who are trying to carve out time in their schedules. Do you have any thoughts that you typically highlight for students who feel more challenged about how can I fit all this in? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so a couple of thoughts. I, I, I think one, normalizing the experience for them. Like there's only so much time in the day and there's a lot to do. And so sometimes you just have to prioritize the priorities, but also understand everything doesn't have to be done the way we think it needs to be done, right? So like sometimes that means if I dedicate time here to write or prepare my case or be with my learning team, it's also okay that I didn't get X done. And that's okay. And X can wait until this weekend or, or until tomorrow or, or whenever. I think it's completely uh, okay to normalize. Everything doesn't have to be top tier and done to the best all the time. That's just not realistic. Um, and I think another thing that as a working professional student, I would strongly suggest is using and, and capitalizing off of those resources because oftentimes we think like, oh, we got it, we can manage it, we can, you know, do this, this, and this. Like we're 
superheroes of everything, but there's nothing um, wrong with asking for help, working smarter, <laughs> not harder, using your learning teams and using the staff and faculty and really helping to understand, like there's no shame in that. That's why we're here. Um, and sometimes, and I guess the third one that I have, like I read a quote and it said like, sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm hitting a wall. And um, the response to that was sometimes walls are there so we can rest. And so what is the wall that you need to rest on, right? Like, like taking time for yourself. I have one student say that she takes two days off every week from schoolwork because it's good for her mental health. Um, and, you know, whatever those two days are, are different for everybody, right? Whether it's a weekend or a day during the week, one on the weekend or whatever that looks like for their situation, their family. But make sure you have that rest. Make sure you have that wall so that you can, you can rest and show up and perform your best self each week. One of talk about what you just shared, because there's two things that you mentioned that are challenging for people who are looking at programs like our executive MBA program, part-time MBA program. The first point you made is maybe everything doesn't have to be done in exactly the way that you think it has to. One of the journeys that I think almost every working professional student is on is, oh my gosh, I can't do it the way that I did before because I just don't have that time. And how do you get to okay on something like that? You know, I think part of it has to be constantly reminding yourself, right? Like my, my advisor, my chair, I was going through my dissertation. She would constantly say, a good dissertation is a done dissertation. You don't need to keep doing that chair. A good dissertation is a done dissertation. You need to get done. <laughs> you need to. And so like having people in your life to remind you of that, whether that's like the the program team, you know, I told, I told a student the other day, I'm like, you can do it one moment at a time. And so I also think taking it one moment at a time, because like a lot of people that are enrolled in grad school are probably type A and very, very um, striving for the stars, right? Like shooting for the stars and all that. And that's great. But like, what's, what needs to be done today? What's one moment at a time? What does Sherry need to do in this moment to get her to the next moment? Um, and if this moment doesn't look like what I thought it would be, that's okay too. That's okay too, because I did my best in this moment and I can I can move on with that. And so just really trying to take the pressure off of themselves, I think it's step one, because there's a lot of pressure. Like they're getting an MBA because they want to be the best. They want to upskill in their profession or reskill. They want to get a promotion. They, they want to do their best. Um, there's also an understanding of like your best is going to look different every day. The other point uh, that you made uh, that jumped out to me, and I think this is also challenging for many of our students, is asking for help and taking advantage of resources. Because day-to-day -day for our students and life at work, probably not having to ask for a lot of help, and they may not have much practice uh, with that particular skill. You are absolutely right. So one of the things my team is working on right now is making sure the help and the resources are accessible and students know that they are there for them, right? So, so we're starting some proactive outreach. Uh, we started this week with student check-in meetings that we initiated in their 20 minute Zoom conversations. And throughout those conversations, we're learning more about students, but we're also looking for, <laughs> listening for things where we might need help, uh, might need to step in and support them in that area. So, um, but don't ever be afraid to ask for help. But it is hard when you're driven and you're usually the expert, right? All these students are experts in their their, their field and their area. Um, but it's also okay to take a pause and, and take a step back and say, oh, what is there a resource for this? How can I be successful here? 
Um, because success also is part of success is knowing when to ask for help. And then there's also that that vulnerability thing, right? To say, hey, I don't I don't quite understand this. This is not coming together for me. And I think sometimes what happens for students is they're indexing to some student in their class, or maybe they're imagining, I should know how to do this. I, I don't. Everybody else must know how to do this. I must be the only. The, the key thing to remember, if you're thinking that in a program like this, is you're definitely not the only person. You're not the only person with that question that's being challenged by this subject matter. And asking for help or reaching out is a great opportunity to realize that. Oh, yeah. And guess what? And I told a student the other day, actually, who said, I feel like I should know this. I feel like I should just step up. And I'm like, well, why do you feel that way? And she said, everybody else knows it. And I said, no, they don't. They're pretending. Like, no, no. Every, there's no way. There's no one. No way everybody else knows that. Is that anything you ask? I guarantee you half the other class have that same question. You don't, you're not the only one that has that question and just be, I think sometimes they just need to be gentle with themselves and be more patient with themselves throughout this process because this is a process. Uh, they should come out different on the other side, right? They should come out challenged a little bit on the other side, but everyone doesn't know it. Everybody, everybody's going to have their own struggle and their own hurdle throughout the program, but our, our goal is to be here to support them throughout it. Yeah, the psychology of that is really interesting, right? Because you, you come to an MBA program because you've recognized that there's gaps, that there's things that you want to know, that you want to learn, you want to grow and develop. But you only grow and develop by being challenged and put in new and different situations and acquiring this, this knowledge that you may feel like you don't have right now, which is a learning a learning experience. And of course, there's going to be, there's tons of things you, you won't know in this program. That That's the point, right? Yeah, that's the point. I mean, if you, if you knew everything, you probably wouldn't be in the program. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see a need for it, right? So if it didn't challenge you, it didn't change you. Um, and I always think back to a professor in my master's program who said, if you don't want to quit at some point, we're not doing it right. But what he meant is, if it's truly not challenging you in a way that you're questioning yourself, then what is the point of the program? Like, you need to challenge your thought. We need to make you stretch a little bit. We need to provide those opportunities. Um, and if it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy the entire time, I don't know that we're doing, that's not the intent of the program. Well, Sherry, we've, we've talked about a lot of things, lots of advice uh, here on this podcast. I, I wonder something that you would like to leave our listeners with as they, as they think about perhaps this next step in, in their journey. I would say... Um, It's going to be um, the, the MBA during the working professional graduate school journey is um, remarkable and it's going to be difficult and you're going to come out on it a different person, but the experience is truly transformative. And that's from someone that has gone through it and truly wondered why she went through it in a, in a PhD program, but um, it truly is, is, is a remarkable experience. The community at Darden, the the friendships you make, the connections you make, the way you grow academically and you just think about things differently. It is remarkable because it's also difficult. And those two things can exist at the same time. And that's why we're here to help support you through it. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so much fun talking with you and um, to, our, to our listeners. I mean, all these things that we talked about, know that these are real things that MBA students in any program feel feel challenged by. Um, and I'd like to believe here at, at Darden, uh, Sherry, um, that we we have these conversations. We, we talk with students about, about these things because that's the most important thing for, 
help people realize, yeah, this is not unique. Everybody is dealing with it. Yeah, you're right. This was great. Thank you so much, Brett. I, I really enjoyed connecting with you and I was looking forward to it. So it was just wonderful. So thank you. And that was my interview with Sherry Watson, Assistant Dean for Student Engagement for the Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.